Man, thanks, Johnny. What you guys failed to see is Johnny sprinting up the side because he had for, didn't forget, but he knew he had remembered to pray. So I just gave him away. Sorry, man. Hey, uh, good evening, Redeemer. How are we doing? Good. Hey, grab your Bible, turn to 1 Timothy. We're going to get there in, in a little bit. Um, if we haven't got a chance to meet, my name's Brandon, the college director here. Um, and tonight we're beginning uh, this really creatively titled series, 1 Timothy. Groundbreaking, attractional, everything. Um, we figured it worked for 2,000 years. It may as well work now. And so, um, listen, our hope and aim is this in this series, that, that there are a lot of us in this room that come from all sorts of different backgrounds and places, right? I guess is the beauty of, of this collective body that gathers here is that we're all from different places. We all have different backgrounds, different countries maybe, even different religions or non-religious upbringings. Uh, there are some of you in here uh, that, that this is the first time maybe you've even come into this place. Like you've ever darkened the, the door of a church. Um, it wasn't in your context. You didn't grow up in that, and, and you didn't talk about it. It wasn't a thought. Uh, you just had Sundays as part of the weekend, and that was just your rhythm. And, and for that, I'm really grateful that you're here tonight. Let me hear me say that again. Like, I'm super thankful that you would come, even if it was like, hey, we're going to go get BJ's afterwards, uh, just sit through this guy yelling for 35 minutes. Um, I'm glad you're here because hopefully there's something here to take away um, that, that even if we grew up like that, that we're not outcasts, right? Because I think that's sometimes how we can feel is I don't have the like, Christian lingo. I didn't grow up singing, you know, these songs uh, about liars going to hell and all this stuff and beauty of Sunday school, right? Um, but this is the beauty of it. Like, we, we come here, uh, and there are some of you in here that don't remember a day when you weren't in church, you know? Uh, you came out, doctor slapped your rear end, Jesus was your first words. Um, and you are, and your parents drug you to church, and you were there, and you remember putting on your little, you know, corduroy uh, uh, overalls and looking really hip and going to church, and like that's just what you did. Um, and there were some of you in here that church was just kind of a, a cultural thing that you did. When weekend sports didn't interfere and travel and and wakeboarding and getting out on the lake, when when it was convenient, you kind of came to church, and and we missed church and. And there are some in here that you were told that if you weren't in church every week, like, you were going to hell, right? Anybody? Right? Okay, that's, that's my story, right? Uh, my upbringing is really similar to that, that, that I kind of grew up in that. And, and, and I'm a kid uh, that, talk about getting drugged to church. My, my mother drugged me to church, and, and I didn't like it. Um, I would fake sickness to not go to church. Anybody there? No? Yeah, there's some, okay, that's good, good. I'm not alone, right? I got, <laughs> I got a cough, right? Um, and it didn't always work out well for me because she didn't really care. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I get to my teenage years, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to go to church, so I'm going to make the most of this thing, right? Like, I am, I'm going to make the most of my selfish heart, and I'm going to get the most out of this that I can. So, so I go to church, right? And I'm in youth group, and they offer summer camp, man, a week away from my parents with no real supervision. Sign me up for that, man, right? And there was like a ski trip in the winter, that I got away from my parents again for a whole, like a weekend? Yeah, absolutely. Like I was going to get the most out of this that I could. And so then it was like, okay, I, I got the most out of that. Oh, youth group, there are girls at youth group. They're everywhere. 
And they like guys who, who play the guitar and raise their hands and I can play that game. I'm sad to admit that too. I'm, I'm a scumbag, just so you know that, all right? A redeemed scumbag, a redeemed scumbag. Thank you for that. But I wanted to also then, okay, it was like, all right, that's going. Now there's perception, right? I wanted to be seen as that guy. I wanted to be seen in church and be perceived in a certain light. Like I had all my stuff together. Like I wanted to be seen as the, the high priority Jesus guy. So like when, I think maybe I've told this story here before. If you've been around long enough, most of my stories just get repeated. So new scripture, same stories. Um, but I would say this story like, hey, God, man, you let me drop 30 tonight in the basketball game. Man, when the newspaper or the TV come and interview me, I'll give you a shout out. Man, all glory be to God. Couldn't do this without my Lord and Savior, right? Knowing that is the farthest thing from the truth for me. But I wanted to be perceived in a certain light. So taking all of those things into account, church attendance, church perception, my selfish heart, seeing what I could get out of it. And here was, that was the end goal. There were no other goals. There was like, make it through. Just get through the three hours of church and the next hour and a half at night. And any conferences or anything that came, like, just get through it. And here's the thing. I was missing out on what God was actually offering. Like, there was actually something there that he was offering. And in a world where, where I think church and authority are often maligned and frowned upon, and listen, much of that is, like, warranted. Like, much of that is, is, like, true, right? Because we've seen church scandal. Like, church hurt is real, right? Like, like a church abuse is real. Like, those things happen. And the church is often marred in society and internally by these, by these marks of brokenness. That there's political division within the church. There's even a lack of need for what God is offering here. And so in this series, like, here's the, here's the hope. What does the Bible actually tell us the church and its people are to be about? Like, I know we can get our 20-second theology from TikTok. Like, that's really scary. Because it often takes years to build these things out, that, that Christianity and church and walking in truth is not something you microwave overnight. Like some of you guys have been walking with Jesus for a while and it is just thing after thing and you feel like you're hitting a brick wall every time you turn around. Some of you guys have seen the outworkings of the church. You've even been a part of some of those broken ways that people in the church play out. But God is forming this thing. He has chosen this thing. And what does it mean for us to be a healthy people that lead to a healthy church that lead to a healthy view of God for both ourselves, but also for the world around us. So like, if, if you'll look at this, man, like, like we chose this graphic really seriously. When we talked about being formed into these people, right? Like you're gonna hear us say healthy, formed, like those are gonna be some words that you're gonna hear throughout this series. It's because God is forming us into something that ultimately won't be realized this side of heaven, right? But here's the thing. That pot looks more like a pot than when it first hit the wheel, right? Right? Like that, that pot looks a lot more, and it just has to go in, and it's going to get 
burned, right? And it's going to get hardened, and it's going to come out in this beautiful bowl. But right now, it doesn't look like that. And that's often where we find ourselves in the midst of this story. And so we're going to explore throughout 1 Timothy why we believe it's necessary to flesh this out over the whole rest of the semester is because our hope here, listen, our hope is that college is not the height of your Christian walk. That college is not the epicenter and the apex of your Christian and church experience. But that is just simply another chapter and another springboard into what's next for you. That as you are sent, right, at the end of this, we're going to say Redeemer College, and you're all going to shout, we're sent. Like that isn't just a catchphrase, that's something we actively want to work for. I don't care about gathering a bunch of people for the sake of gathering them. Like I can do enough things and throw enough stuff around that, that we could actually like fill this. But the reality is that we want people who are sent from this place. That there are many of you that are going to be sent to the nations. That you're coming in here and you're going to be sent to people who don't know the gospel and have never heard it. There are going to be some of you that are going to see a church planting residence that's going to come up here and you're going to get to know them and you're going to say, you know what, I'm moving to that city for the sake of the gospel going forth on the college campus. There will be some of you, but the reality is the vast majority of you will be in here, you will graduate, you will get a job, you will probably move, and you will go and be an all-in church member. And the goal is to replicate what has happened in the life of that church with what God has done in this season of your life. That you are being called to something. So, so how do we form this healthy view of his church and, and the gospel moving forward. And so we're forming healthy people into a healthy church. That's what God's doing. So, so let's look here uh, at 1 Timothy, uh, and we're going to start in verse 1. And if you haven't been with us, like this is our, our hope. We'll do a little topical series to start the year off, and then we just get in the book of the Bible. And we just want to dive into it. So here we go. We got Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus. So, so here's what we look on. Like, like when we talk about healthy people, like I gotta, I gotta make sure that I define what we're talking about here. Like I'll get more into this at the end, but, but here's what we're not saying. What we're not saying when you hear the word healthy view is that people, is people have it all figured out. That, that's not healthy. That, that's not what we're saying. We're not saying that, that healthy equals the self-inflated view of ourselves. That healthy isn't that we cannot have struggles. But, but healthy people are simply people that recognize that they're being formed into a proper view of God and a proper view of the gospel and a proper view of themselves. And that is a work all the way to the end. Like this is what God is doing. And so we're introduced here off the top. So we got Paul, right? Paul's kind of a big deal in the New Testament. He inked the big writing deal of the New Testament. Um, and Paul is a church planter. Uh, he is a missionary. Uh, we'll, we'll have more about his story here in a little bit in the chapter. But he is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. And Timothy is a young pastor, and he is at a very influential city in Ephesus. 
And so there's a book, right? Ephesians, you ever heard of that? So this is the book, this is the church at Ephesus. And, and Paul is writing to Timothy, who is in a very culturally diverse, um, culturally influential, and, and very diverse religion. There was a temple of Artemis, one of, the, one of these huge wonders of the world. Um, and, there were, and, and there was so much activity in that city. It was a port city. So much was coming in and out. It was a central hub for culture in that time. And that created several issues. I want you to think about how you translate this to college campuses, right? Like this is where you're at right now. College campuses serve as these port cities. You know, we don't live in New York. We don't live in big cities. We, we live in a place that has ideas that are on the front line of culture, right? Like this is what you see on the campus is the front line of culture. And this is where Timothy was, a young pastor trying to be faithful. And Paul's writing here to help him navigate the issues that were around and to bring clarity where there was obscurity and distraction. And so we're going to look at these two things throughout the course of this series. One is the healthy church, but tonight we really want to focus in on the healthy people side of this. Because a church is not made up of a building, right? Like what makes up the church is the health of its people. That's what makes the healthy church. It's going to move forward and have this direction in life that we move to. And so, so here's what I want to do in our time is I want to contrast what the false teachers were bringing with what the gospel that Paul was giving to Timothy actually and how those things kind of um, were at odds with each other. So let's look at verse 3. Uh, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor devote themselves to myths, endless genealogies, which promote speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. And the aim of the charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by serving away from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make these confident assertions. So we're introduced as false teachers. We're introduced here off the bat, and it talks about these myths uh, that they were bringing. Like there were, there were some accusations here that they were voting themselves to, it, to myths, to endless speculation, um, and genealogies, rather than the stewardship from God. So here's what was happening in that time. These teachers were taking what was meant to be gospel-centric, um, what was meant to be the gospel, and they were beginning to add to those things. So, so they would begin to confuse, saying, yeah, you need to follow all of this law, and you can add a little bit of Jesus to it. So as long as you've got these two things working together, then you're going to be good. And you had to, you had to clean yourself up before you can come to God, right? Anybody ever feel like you've got to do that? Like so often, what happens is that we, we see in the scriptures that it's up to us to kind of come and clean ourselves up before God's going to accept us. This was, this, this was kind of tradition I grew up in. Was like, it was like I, I lived on the, on the knife's edge of am I a Christian or am I not a Christian, Right? And most of that was not, was not centered on the work and the finished work of Jesus. Most of that was centered on my ability to keep whatever law I had somehow got up in my head. And this is what was happening here. 
They would create unrest and anxiety in the people by taking things that had truth in them and then confusing them with things that they could control. And this meant that they would focus on things that really didn't matter. Like at the end of the day, things that didn't matter, that they could not be proven, things that would get all worked up about. They would even use their heritage to exclude certain people. So if you look historically, you've got Jewish and Gentile, right? If you're not ethnically Jewish, you are a Gentile. And this is, and what would happening here is that now God was, was adopting these Gentile people, the rest of the world, into his family. And these, these historically heritage Jewish people were like, wait a minute. We've been following this law for thousands of years. And these people don't have to follow that law? No, 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 no. And they began to confuse around this. And the focus became on the individual and off of the worship of what God has done. And so what Satan often attempts to do in the culture of the church and in the culture of, and in the lives of people is that he is not actively out there. Like, like when he's derailing the church, it's not by trying to stamp some pentagram on the front of our church, right? Right? Like that's, that's not his way, right? It's, it's that he's, not, he's not this, you know, so out there trying to get us to go blood sacrifices or something, right? Like he's not trying to get you to do crazy stuff. Like, what, here's what he's trying to do. At the end of the day, he's, he's not trying to bring you to an, another world religion, but rather to convince us that we're right with God because we go to church. That we give money. We've got some Bible stories. We're living off the faith of our parents. If at the end of the day, my goods outweigh my bads, and we end up defining our own morality rather than centering it on the gospel of Jesus. I mean, the Bible says that Satan is an angel of light, right? And so the subtleness of the way he works himself into the church is not in these big, huge things that we're going to go, yep, that, that's evil, right? But rather through taking what we think what has a little bit of truth to it and just adding something. Just adding a lie, adding my own ability. And his goal is to take us, convince us that we need more than just Jesus, and derail us enough to get our focus off of what is true and back on to our own selfish desires. And we end up missing out on what God has. I don't know if you're there. I don't know if you experience that. I don't know the motives for being in this place tonight or wherever you may be coming from, but, but here is where Satan is really, really evil, is that he doesn't want your best. Is that he doesn't want what's good for you. What he wants is to derail you from what God has, and he's willing to use any means necessary. And so when we don't cling to the gospel, we cling to ourselves, we're naturally just going to fall in to this. Now, here's the good part about this, is that Paul's going to counter these claims. Like Paul's not going to let us sit here. He's not going to let us let this go on much longer, but look in verse 12. Look in verse 12. I think we got it up here somewhere. Yeah, here we go. So, so Paul says, I thank him, this is God, who has given me strength. Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. 
though formally. Now look at Paul's credentials here, man. This is the guy that you want to run the world when it comes to missionary stuff. But formerly was a blasphemer, persecutor, insolent opponent. Like, do you see where he came from? Like, he recognizes, like, this is who he was. Like, if you go back and read the story of Paul, like, this, this is the guy that Jesus intercepts on the road to Damascus and says, hey, um, I'm the one you're persecuting, but today I'm going to save you, and I'm going to set you on a completely different path. I don't know where you are in this room, but this is to say we're never too far off from the reach of God. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, what you've experienced, you're not too far off for God to reach in. This is the beauty. It's the beauty of the gospel. Let's keep going here. But I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Look at how, look at how Paul counters their claims. He said, Christ came to save the far off. Christ came into the world to save sinners. Jesus would say, hey man, the, the well don't need a doctor, it's the sick. Ephesians will say that we were all once blasphemers, sons and enemies of God. Sons of the evil one and enemies of God. It wasn't for those, he didn't come for those who didn't think they needed him or for those who thought they could earn it. He came for those who would recognize in their brokenness that they could not earn it. The reason that we gather here tonight, the reason that we gather in GCs tomorrow night and Thursday night, the reason that we come on Sunday mornings is not to celebrate us. It's to celebrate what he has done in us. It's about what God is doing, how he is sustaining. This is the beauty of the gospel. No matter where you come from, no matter what your background was, whether you were religious or not religious, church or unchurched, whether you're from a certain socioeconomic background or not, like he came to save sinners who were far off. And listen, no matter where you are, God may be calling you to himself tonight. He may be awakening your heart to that. Be sensitive. Right now, you need to give up the need to clean yourself up. You need to give up the need to have everything perfect before you come to him because it's never gonna happen. Some of you need to give up the cultural heritage that you've had where Christianity was just something you did, not something you were about. Where Christianity was just, we, we went to church and that was defined by Christianity. There is so much more to what God is offering a healthy people who are being formed with a healthy view of him. Like he won't turn you away. He will awaken you, give you new life, give you new purpose. This is what the gospel of Jesus is all about. This is why he died. This is why he was rose again. This is why he ascended to heaven. That God would get glory through giving new life to those who would call on him. New purpose, increased joy, 
love that you have to come and in confession that he is God. That his death and resurrection are enough and that you are in need of a savior because you cannot do it. Like this is why this is so important that we talk about this here tonight. Because the reality is I think we can walk into places and walk into church buildings thinking that we are somehow far or farther off from God than somebody else, Right? Like we can see somebody who's a leader or who's always here or who's at the front, like my, whatever it may be, and we can walk in and go, man, I'm never going to get to that level. I'm never going to get there. Like here's the reason we got to talk about this in light of the local church is because all of us in this room, like this is a collection of formerly or currently sick individuals that God has or is bringing near to him. Like, and we worship together, we're reminded together, we show grace together that we all were once sinners. And the only thing that differentiates me, the only thing that I have to stand on is that Jesus intercepted my life and changed it. That's it. He changed me not at my... Not just with good morality. Not that I cuss or don't cuss, don't see radar movies, that don't whatever it may be that you've listed in your head. Like he changed me at a core level that out of that flows who he is. So here's how I want to end our time tonight because of what God has done in the gospel. I just want to end with three things about what we seek to be as a healthy church and healthy people. Because his grace to bring sinners into fellowship, he's going to set you on a path. And so let's look at number one here. Healthy people never graduate from the gospel. Healthy people never graduate from the gospel. Listen, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Like the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Church, community becomes super complicated and fractured. It becomes unclear when we think we've arrived based on our own ability. That somehow I've been following Jesus and I just outgrow the need to sit and think deeply about what has happened at the cross. Like when I, when I run too far that way, I begin to lean on my own understanding. I begin to lean on my own ability. I begin these spirals. And, and I don't know if you're in here tonight, but I begin these spirals of shame, anxiety, right? Like if I start getting away from the cross... Like, this is, this is me a couple, this is me, I'm, let's just be honest, like, I'm sitting in it right now. Like, the reality is I've looked at the past two weeks of my life and wondered, and why is my anxiety just so crippling at points? Like, why am I struggling just, I told my wife the other day, we were just driving, and I'm just, like, angry. <laughs> just, like, super angry all the time. I was like, I don't know what's going on. And then I'm like, and when was the last time like I was deeply in the word? Like when was the last time that I fleshed out my prayer life? And I'm like, I was just distant, man. Like I was leaning, things were going good. Nothing was blowing up. Like things were great. And then all of a sudden, like I just started drifting away from the gospel. Like, we need to sit and think deeply about this. 
Like, I think we can see and we can view this in a couple of ways. Like, like we can see ourselves as too good or too mature. We can think of ourselves as just, hey, I'm just going to go on sinning all the more because, heck, I'm a Christian, right? What the cross is for, forgiveness, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Like, we can see it that way. We can also be quick to disciple others out of things but fail to see that in our own selves. Anybody ever been there? Like, you're, you're quick to recognize when somebody brings something to you, you're like, whoa, 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 not me. Like, here's the thing. The reality is we need the gospel. We never graduate from it. We're always humbled by his presence. We're humbled by his grace that he would choose us, that he would adopt us. That he would bring us near. I mean, look at this graphic. Do we have that graphic? Do I have it up here? Oh, the, the cross one. Is there a cross one? Ah, there it is. Beautiful. Like, look at this thing, man. Like, as we get closer, like, there's a, there's a moment when Jesus interrupts our lives. We may not know when that moment is. Like, I've got a story that says I know a time period in my life where I went from not loving Jesus to loving him. Some of you know the day. It's in your Bible. The evangelist signed it. Like, you, you know it. That's great. That's my wife, man. But wherever that change occurred, like here's what begins to happen. We begin to grow in awareness and of, of God's holiness. We begin to grow. And so it's like at the beginning of your Christian walk, like you are growing, man. You're getting rid of all those things that the youth group pastor told you that you had to get rid of. Like you can't, can't sex, you can't smoke, you can't drink. Like you're like, I got it, run, right? And then as you grow more and more, what begins to happen is you begin to see, oh, here's how pride's playing out in my life. Oh, here's that source idol of control. Oh, here's where arrogance is for me. Here's where dependency is for me. And as we grow closer to that holiness of God, like the cross doesn't get smaller. The cross becomes more and more of what we need to cling to as we mature in our faith. Is that we stay rooted in the gospel because that's where humble and grace overflow. And that's what a healthy people look like. Secondly, secondly is that healthy people are image bearers. Healthy people are image bearers. If we see here in the truth that Christ came to the world, say sinners of whom I am the foremost. But look at verse 16. I don't think I have it up there, but, but look at this. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. Like Paul was saved for a purpose, to bear the image of Christ in the world around us, that you were, as a believer, not as a church attender, but as a believer, you were made to mirror and magnify the truth of God. We said it earlier, the reason that we gather is, is not so that we can feel good about ourselves. The reason that we gather here is that in worship and encouragement through the word and through community, that we be sent to live lives based on what is true of us collectively as well as individually to the spheres of influence that God has given us. That we're saved to something. I think so often we are so bored as Christians because we don't understand what God's called us to. Like I don't know how Christianity can be boring. Like, you read the story of these dudes, man, they don't have, there's nothing boring going on in the Bible with these regular guys, right? 
Like they had the purpose and the mission for what God had called them to, that they were called to something, that God has called you, believer, to specific places and people. There are people that you interact with every day. That there are some of you in this room tonight because somebody in a study group or a class or someone somewhere saw you, invited you here, invited you to dinner, invited you to coffee, said, like, you are here because of this. This is how the church grows. The church has never grown by the attraction that it gives. In fact, in fact the, most, the places where the gospel is growing the most is in the most persecuted places. In the countries where persecution is the highest, the church is exploding. Like you're seeing an awakening. If you've been watching anything on social media, if you've seen anything, like there is an awakening going amongst this age demographic. Like God is doing something. And if we run by it thinking that he's calling us more into the walls of our church and not outside of this as image bearers, we're going to miss what he's doing with us. He's calling us to image bearers, that God is forming you into a healthy image bearer. He's forming you into a right view of God, that you have a right view of the gospel and a right view of yourself. Like Christ is calling you to reflect his image, to model that. Like if we read the gospels, we see what Jesus was about. And I got to ask myself often, am I about those things? Am I about those things? Or am I about the, am I just a more mature version of the idiot scumbag that was the, the dude in youth group? I'm just leaning on myself more and more, my selfish desires more and more. They just look different. Like that's the question. He's forming us into this thing as an example of a life that has lived well. Last third here is this, is that healthy people fight the good fight. Let's look at verse 18 and 20 as we kind of wrap up our time together. Look at this. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding fast, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander. I'm gonna hand it over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Like healthy people fight the good fight. Like in difficult circumstances, when emotion fades, when times are hard, what are you clinging to? When those areas of brokenness begin to enter in, wherever that may have happened, what are you clinging to? When you are confronted as one who has brought about hurts, what, what are you clinging to? Here's what the gospel says and what Jesus and what Paul is reminding Timothy is that we cling to the cross, that we are encouraged in community and we fight for this. We flesh this out. This is like, listen, it's not always gonna look like this, right? Like your Christian walk isn't always gonna look this way. 
Like, this is a beautiful time in your life. You should be taking advantage of community, and you should be having dinners with friends, and you should leverage your time, and you should enjoy this season, and you should be, like, like you go play pickleball all the time, right? Like, like you should enjoy where God has you. But it doesn't always look this way, right? And I think what happens so often is that we think that when, when, when hype is good and emotionalism is high, like, that's the marks of health. And the marks of health is fighting in the midst of the hard things. Like I'm raising a 12-year-old right now. Holy crap. It's really hard, and i got to be reminded that Jesus is my patience. That there isn't a lot of emotionalism, but, but the gospel hasn't shifted. Listen, the church is not perfect. There will be unhealthy portions of this thing. And I think what happens when we see it in the church or we see it in our own lives is the easy thing to do is to despair and to run to what is natural for us. We run away from the beauty of what God offers because what God offers is often walking through things that are really, really hard. It it requires sacrifice at some level. It requires us to count the cost. And when we see that, we're often like, we don't see the other side of the beauty that he's offering. And the sustaining grace that he will not only guide us through, he will carry us through those times. And so we fight the good fight. And then he gives this crazy warning here, is that those who would play the church game, (laughs) that those who had these experiences and that were driven by emotion and driven by hype and that's all they cling to, that those things fade. Like like if you don't have a rooted and grounded love for Jesus and good community, like there is a shaky foundation for when the world smacks us in the face. And there's a warning there to go, what are you putting your hope and your trust in? What are you fighting for? Are you fighting for your own selfish desires? Are you fighting for your own view of health? Or are you fighting for the healthy view that the the Bible says that we should have, that, that health is not defined in terms of perfection, but rather health is defined in terms of process? That we all are in process. That we're all being formed that God is using this broken vessel to take his gospel to the ends of the earth. It's happened for 2,000 years, and it will happen until he comes again, and we want to be a part of that. But listen, before we leave here tonight, I want you to do work in your own heart. Like, how is it playing out? And I know we're in church, and, you know, you really can't be honest in church, and, but maybe tonight. Maybe tonight as you sit here and you hear these last two songs, as we enter into worship, that maybe we don't run quickly from that. That maybe we lean into how God is building you as a healthy person. What's he asking you to walk away from? What's he asking you to run to? The outworking of the church is built on the health of its people. Those who have 
believed, received the gospel first and foremost. And we cannot walk any of this out on our own will or by our own strength. But we have to walk this out in the terms of community and gospel living. And so we're going to stand. Band's going to come out and, and play a little bit. And as we, as we enter into this time of worship, we can bring the lights down, Keaton, and we can. I don't, I'm not driven by emotionalism. That's not, that's not what this is about. But, but I want us to take stock of where the Lord has us tonight. That as we focus throughout this series on, on what it looks like to be in this place of health, like he's going to start with you first. He's going to start with me. He's going to start with his children. And so let's not run from this time. And so as the band plays, I'm just going to guide us through a little bit of guided prayer here, just for a second. I didn't plan, and, and I, I don't know, but I just feel like we need just to linger here for a second. And so I want to ask you a question that you can only wrestle with the Lord on. Man, God, where, where am I leaning into my own view of health? Where am I leaning on my own understanding, my own ability? I'm just asking. God, where am I not believing the gospel is true? Where am I frust- where are you frustrated with God at? Like he's big enough. Like tell him, man. God and I have had knockdown drag outs. Like, where are you frustrated? Finally, God, where are you calling me to? Where are you calling me to? Is he calling you to believe the gospel for the first time, to confess with your mouth, to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and the Bible says you will be saved? Is that where he's calling you tonight? Maybe you've heard a thousand times, but maybe tonight's the night that it takes root. Or maybe you've been following him for years, And it's just become really easy just to play the church game. Where is he calling you to? Who are the people in your life that come to your mind right now that need to hear the gospel?
Lord, I thank you that the beauty of this book and the beauty of this gospel is that you meet us where we're at. And so matter the, no matter the stories in this room, no matter the places that we believe the gospel or don't believe the gospel, we trust you, or don't, like you, you meet us in those places, that, they're, that you see us, you know us, that you're fixed on us, God. May that be the confidence that we have in you, not in ourselves, to be sent from here to wage the good war, to fight, to never graduate from the truth of the gospel. God, may we lean into that truth tonight. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the beauty of this time. Help us as we sing in response in worship to that be the cry of our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's stand together. And as we stand off to my left back there, just people who, if you need prayer, and make sure you head back there. We're not we're here for this. We're here for this time. And so if you need prayer, if not, man, let's worship as we sing about the joy and the beauty of what Christ has done. Let's sing together.